What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and, of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of The TSK Show, Jacob and I are in studio, and Tyler will be joining us on the phone as the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has forced the Safer at Home order to still be in place here in Los Angeles and all throughout the country. Tonight, we're going to talk about the top athletes to come from both the states of Washington and California, since that's where all three of us are from. Also, everyone knows how much I love to go on Twitter, so I found some hypothetical scenarios on my timeline that I wanted to throw at Jacob and Tyler. To close the show, we'll continue our series of ranking the top players at each position in the NBA right now with the fourth installment, the top 10 combo guards in the NBA today. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Day by day. Tyler, how you living? Tyler? Tyler? Oh, shit, my bad. Um, the board of- <laughs> we, I thought we okay. lost you. I thought we had some technical yeah. difficulties to start out the show. I put, I put, the, I put the meat on while the intro was going. But, uh, oh, no, we got you. Uh, we got you. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, the boredom's starting to sink in, but I'm still staying strong. Okay. Okay. Well, real quick, before we got into some housekeeping uh, items, I wanted to ask you guys, what's something you guys are doing more of during this quarantine safer at home time here in Los Angeles, now that it's been extended till five days after my birthday on May 10th? Damn, no birthday celebrations for you, huh? No, it's my birthday's May 10th and it's extended till at least the 15th. Well, you could do something at home. I mean, it's it's not yeah. the, it's not the same, obviously, because you would probably want to go out to a bar or a restaurant or whatever. But this is what you got to do for right now. Yeah, I'll probably do a Zoom thing or something. But all right, back to my question: what are, what's something you guys are doing more of now that you're spending more time at home? Uh, definitely cooking. Cooking, okay. Oh yeah, no, that's for sure. That's it. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. Mine was going to be dishes. Oh, you're doing yeah, more definitely. dishes now? Yes, because I'm eating more meals at home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not eating out as much. No, not at all. I I don't think I've ate out in probably two or three weeks. Oh no, I'm lying. Yeah, you got me Chick Fil A last week, Jacob. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, you had Chick Fil A. Yeah, Jacob got <laughs> literally me, a week ago. <laughs> Jacob got me Chick Fil A before the show last week. I forgot about that. Sorry, Tyler, you missed out. <laughs> it's all good. No worries. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I'm definitely cooking. You know, at least two times a day, sometimes three. Yeah. And you know, I you know I worked in the restaurant industry, so. 
uh, I was constantly like eating out or eating, you know, food from work. So this is definitely like a big, you know, I probably used to cook maybe four or five times a week. Now I'm doing it two, three times a day. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely been an uptick in the cooking. I'm also listening to a lot more music. Oh, yeah, yeah so same, never, same thing. Every every day if I listen to music. If I don't, then something's wrong. Yeah. Especially now. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. Tyler. Cooking, uh, music, and then definitely more TV. I never really watched a lot of TV to begin with, but, like, now I'm watching more shows, newer shows and shows that I've watched for, uh, before. So I'm just kind of repeating that process. And, okay. But, yeah, those three. Yeah, music and TV shows are probably two things that I'm not really doing that I think that the majority of the people are doing. Yeah, no, for me, it's been music, dishes, dishes slash cooking, and uh, video games. Yeah, I got to say cooking, uh, definitely video games is way up there. And then, (laughs) you know, just I think that the other thing that's like kind of something that I don't really think about, but, you know, I worked on my feet for a living. You know, I'm just doing a lot more sitting. Yeah. It's like I'm used to being on my feet 40, 45 hours a week and, and now I'm I'm on my feet, you know, if I get out and walk once a day, I'm lucky, you know. Got to be doing those home workouts. Yeah, but as much as you do, as far as not so much the workouts, but all these activities, whether it be listening to music, cooking, or actually even working out, you can only do so much of it till oh, you finally yeah, get yeah. bored of that. You're like, shit, like I've done two hours of watching this TV show. Now let me go play two hours of 2K. And then you're like, well, all right, I've already had enough of that. And then you just get bored. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely it's definitely tough. We're in a weird weird time and weird time in the life. Yeah, but all right, let's let's get to a couple of housekeeping items. I had uh, four things written down that I wanted to to quickly get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, first, Devin Booker winning the 2K tournament uh, put on by 2K, ESPN, and the NBA that we have talked about the two previous weeks on the show. He faced his teammate, uh, Phoenix Suns center DeAndre Ayton. Do we think the 2K tournament was a success, not success? How do we feel about it? Uh, I think it was pretty successful for what it was uh, being under these circumstances because, again, it's not like live sports. You know, it's not so much that's going to grab the the uh, viewer's attention. But I think it's for uh, for the time being, it was perfect. It gave the fans, you know, and NBA fans, you know, sports fans in general, something to, to watch while they're, you know, locked up. I think it was a huge success in the sense that I think that it merged two demographics together, whereas, like, I don't know, you know, if the video game community and basketball community are really, like, in touch. I know that there's a big 2K market out there, so those two kind of bring bring those two worlds colliding. And, you know, I think what's interesting about it is kind of like, uh, you know, I, I see it as a long-term thing where I think that this is going to be something that happens, like, every year now uh, just because it's a good way to generate revenue and, even if you don't have basketball fans watching, you definitely got video game people watching. It's a huge, you know, video game streaming is huge. So you could bring in people that may not have been into the NBA before, but been into video games, you know, kind of tra- get get them to become fans of guys like Devin Booker. And then maybe they actually start watching real basketball. And then on the other hand is what I think is like the unique opportunity in the future is young players coming in who I think the young, you know, the younger generations are just getting better and better at video games as, as we go. And so it's like, it could be a, a unique opportunity for young athletes while they're not making their max contract deals as rookies and young players to make some more money as a pro streamer. I think that 
eventually it's going to be almost like a two-sport athlete where you're going to have guys coming into the league that not only can play basketball, but they can play Call of Duty or they can play 2K. And that's just another way for athletes to make more money. You know? Yeah, what's the what's the difference between an income from an income being generated from streaming and income being generated from advertisements and um, endorsement yeah. deals, which would well, no, no, yeah, yeah, there was no, there would be no difference. But I think what Tyler said too, you, I could see this coming back, especially during the summer because there is no basketball, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. There is a little stretch where it's you either have the draft and then you have uh, summer league. But in that in that span, you could do something like this every year. Yeah, and I even on the heels of the NBA doing this, I saw uh, through social media that the MLB is actually going through their own tournament right now with MLB The Show with 30, 30 representatives from each team doing a tournament with MLB The Show. Yeah, from, from right now, though, you're going to have this same set for – all sports leagues they're all gonna they're all gonna jump on on this bandwagon because this is all you can do right now you got to get creative right now you're not gonna have sports sports live sports for the foreseeable future that's way down the line yeah no it's 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 definitely i think something's gonna be ingrained in the future i definitely look forward to seeing athletes becoming gamers on you know and it's just like there's a couple stories that i remember you know dwight howard Dwight Howard is one of them where he said that, like, when he was drafted, Kevin Durant's another guy that has stories like this, and Eddie Curry, oddly enough. But <laughs> I know story. I hear stories about the all those three specific guys that when they were rookies, you know, they were teenagers. They were 18, 19 years old. So when they were teenagers, they were hanging out with, like, kids in the neighborhood, you know, because they were more – they were much closer to, like, the kid in the neighborhood rather than, like, the 25-year-old vet on their team that's married with kids and stuff. Right. They're just trying to, like, eat candy and play video games. So it's like they, Dwight Howard, I, I heard a story where he was – his rookie year in Orlando, he didn't have too many friends, 18 years old. He played fight night every night when he was by himself. And then in between every, every game, every match, he would do push-ups. And that's how his shoulders, like, blew up from rookie to sophomore year. And then Kevin Durant, I remember stories about him in Seattle hanging out with just, you know, high school kids playing video games. And then uh, Eddie Curry, I actually know a kid that grew up next to Eddie Curry, Greg, who's actually on the TSK show. Oh, you and Nikki. Yep, and he grew up next to Eddie Curry, and they used to just, you know, play video games and hang out. So That's wild. I didn't I know think, he grew up next to Eddie Curry. Yep, in the suburbs of Chicago. Wow. And so it's just yeah, it's, it's like Eddie Curry. The funny, the, the funniest story Greg told me about that is one time they walked into Walmart. Eddie Curry said, "You can get whatever you want." <laughs> but, That's uh, pretty legit. But yeah, so my my point in that story is that I think that there is a market for a lot of these like one and done kids, you know, or just like rookies in general that are on you know these smaller salaries that like you could probably make if you're making a, a like two million a year as a rookie. You might be able to make ten million a year as a gamer. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. It's going to be cool to watch this whole thing um, evolve. Definitely. All right, I'm going to sneak some baseball in real quick. Uh, so the MLB is workshopping multiple scenarios to try to start the season by May or June. They have ideas that were that would basically create a baseball bubble where all 30 teams are in Arizona or you split the whole league by spring training leagues, the Cactus and Grapefruit Leagues, 
in Arizona and Florida, which would involve a major realignment of the divisions since teams wouldn't be separated by National League and American League. They'd be separated by spring training leagues. The governor of Arizona said the state would be willing to host MLB games when the, quote, time is right. Florida has deemed professional sports essential businesses during the coronavirus pandemic. Some players have come out and said they are against this idea, most notably earlier today. Mike Trout, probably the best player in all of baseball right now, told NBC Sports this quote, there's a there's a lot of red flags. We want to get back as soon as we can, but obviously it's got to be realistic. It can't be sitting in our hotel rooms, just going from the field to the hotel room and not being able to do anything. I think that's pretty crazy, uh, end quote. So basically the idea that Mike is talking about is in Arizona, if all teams were in Arizona or Florida, for instance, they would be confined to only going from the hotel that their team is quarantined in and the field in which they are playing on that day. So that would be the only restriction, and basically Mike Trout is saying he's not for that. So what what do we think about MLB trying to create this baseball bubble in either Arizona or Arizona and Florida? Uh, I mean, I think I'm with Mike Trout. It doesn't seem like a great, a great setup for the players. It's just kind of like a cash grab trying to, you know, be the first to get games going back up. Um, I think that, you know, sports leagues just not, need to not do too much. And we need to, like, ride this out. And you need to keep – you know, you need to keep the future as close to normal as possible. Yeah, especially right now, too. You're trying to get back on track. But in my opinion, sports is not going to happen this year. I think NBA is basically done. MLB, it's basically heading there, too. And the NFL is getting pretty close. So, in my eyes, I don't think you're going to see sports in general this year. Now, as far as this plan goes, in theory, it's kind of solid. But that's not how sports are played. You play with fans and you have to travel. And you can't just be cooped up in an area for weeks or even days, you know. You have to get out a little bit. They have, the players have lives, too. It's not just practice and then they go play games and to the hotel rooms. They have other stuff, extracurricular activities that they're involved in. And so keeping them cooped up for long periods of time, like, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Well, and also you have to put into account the fact that if these teams are quarantined in, quarantined in hotels, the only people in those hotels are the members of that organization, not family members. So players would be separated from their families for a, very, a much longer time than normal during a professional sports season because there is time at home versus time away on the road to play games yeah see in theory it sounds good just because to the fans you're saying well we're getting the game back in some form and you're like well this is great but if you look at it from a player's perspective you're taking away these players from their families like you say and then you're also keeping them cooped up for long periods of time so it's not something that they're used to either yeah i think i think you know you're right it's just like these professional sports leagues especially team sports um, I think that they just need to take the L on whatever, you know, whatever's going on for the immediate future and just need to try to keep, I think you try to plan as though things are going to be normal. You know what I mean? Like you have to keep some sort of regular timeline and you can't just throw together kind of a, a shitty product just to, just to like get the game back. You right. know, it's just, 
just doesn't make sense. Right. So, I mean, that kind of leads into the next thing I had written down, and it's uh, commissioners and league heads of the LPGA, which is the the Women's PGA, the Women's Golf Association, uh, the MLB, the MLS, NASCAR, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, PGA, UFC, WWE, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, and Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, will all be part of a committee that will help figure out how and when the country can get back to some sort of normalcy and start to reopen the economy. And this committee is being formed by President Trump. Obviously, for me personally, I think the health officials and experts need to take precedence in terms of who has final say-so in getting back to normal. But sports was really the first to come to a halt when the pandemic really gained traction here in the United States. So I think it's only right that the commissioners and league heads of all these leagues and organizations are are helping in the process of trying to get back to a sense of normalcy. But at the end of the day, I think the health officials and experts, they need to be the ones to make the call of when sports come back. I know Mayor Eric Garcetti here in Los Angeles said that he doesn't think that after talking to a bunch uh, health officials here in Los Angeles and and federally and all of that basically he doesn't see concerts sporting events big gatherings to happen here in los angeles until 2021 yeah absolutely and that that was announced today honestly you have you have sports they were the first to shut it down as far as big events and you know uh, massive gatherings of people and they probably will be the last to open just because to, to sports fans they're essential because you love watching sports but it's our getaway. Yeah, it, it's your getaway, and it's something that you go to, and it's an interest. But at the end of the day, though, like you're saying, medical officials, they don't believe that it's an essential need as far as to open it again back up to the public. No, it's entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. The first thing that will probably open again would probably be schools and other businesses. Well, you for sports, sure. For yeah, sure. sports would probably be the last to open. And because – in terms of professional sports, you have so many people in one confined space at one time. I mean, you have anywhere from 20 to 90 to 100,000 people at any NBA to college football game to NFL game or anything like that. Did you guys happen to see, I think it was the PGA, did you see their insurance policy or did you hear about it? No. I it was the PGA. No, I, it's Wimbledon. Wimbledon, Wimbledon. I, I, as soon as you said it, as soon as you said it, I knew it. I knew it wasn't the PGA. I knew it knew it was something else. But yeah, it's Wimbledon. Continue. Sorry. No, but I mean Wimbledon. So Wimbledon, um, in their insurance policy, had pandemic, uh, pandemic coverage. Yeah, they basically and had so a pandemic got, clause in their insurance. And they got a nine-figure payout. Yeah, because they had to cancel it this year. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, no, listen, whoever... I just thought that was, was like, one of the low-key kind of, like, you know, kind of snuck under the radar little factoids about the pandemic. Yeah, no, whoever was uh, in charge of getting Wimbledon insurance when it was up and adding the pandemic clause was definitely smart for that. Um, But, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a crazy time, and I think, you know, you definitely have to open up society in phases. You know, I think it'll be, like, government government buildings and schools first and maybe restaurants and and retail but yes yeah, sports sports might be way down the list and and i definitely with jacob kind of buckling into accept that 
sports this year probably aren't going to happen. I mean, yeah, you might as well honestly just accept it at this point because basketball, like I said, is done. Baseball, it's already bleeding into baseball season. Uh, well, and it's just like hockey's done. College basketball uh, is, you know, March Madness has been canceled. The all NBA spring, all spring, college sports are done. Opening MLB opening day, it's just like yeah, that was a couple. Already... Yeah, that was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago, and the NFL season, it's already kind of scaring the NFL. The draft is next week, and they're doing it virtually. They should, and that's that's kind of like I think my main belief behind all of this with the pro leagues is that. Go according to schedule of what you can do. If you can have the draft, have the draft. Uh, and then you just kind of have to, like, don't I, – I, you know, we've talked about this on the show. Don't mess up next year to save this year. Right. You know what I mean? Try to try to keep the damage under control. Yeah. Well, and speaking of trying to not mess up next year while trying to fix this year – the Carolina Panthers were able to extend their star young running back, Christian McCaffrey, because the NFL has been the only league really that's been business as usual because they're in the off season and really they can accommodate making transactions between teams and teams and free agents. They can achieve all of that virtually or by phone or however they need to without being in physical contact with each other. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts real quick on Christian McCaffrey becoming the highest-paid running back in NFL history. He signed a four-year extension worth $64 million with an average annual salary of $16 million. There's a lot to unravel there, I think. I mean, (laughs) first of all, it's well-deserved. You pay. I know that the position of running back isn't, isn't as valuable, but when you have someone that's a, just a football player and, you know, he wins you football games, I don't care if there's 29 bad running backs and you got the one good one. Like, you're not going to pay him like those 29 other guys. It's just he, he, he got what he deserved, I feel like. Um, and it's just like the record is just because it's, you know, records are always broken in salary, so that's not really a big deal. Um, but I think it was very, very well-deserved. I think the bad end of it is the guys that haven't gotten this payday that should have gotten this payday. It looks kind of bad. Who? What do you mean? Well, I mean, I just think, you know, you had to have Le'Veon Bell hold out. I mean, oh, we've, yeah. We've had a, yeah, you know what I mean? We've had, we're having, you know, we've had running back holdouts. I mean, Chris Johnson held out. I mean, I've seen a, a, a ton of guys in the last decade or two hold out running back wise. But Christian McCaffrey didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? They understood. They still paid him, even though he was a running back. Where I think some of these other teams uh, probably should have paid their guys. Yeah, no. If, I mean, if you guys remember, sixteen million dollars in average annual salary was what Le'Veon Bell was looking for and what he held out for. Yeah, and it's just like you know, every situation is different. Like Le'Veon's. Le'Veon Bell's situation was the Steelers are just a solidified franchise. One of the one of the one of the hallmark franchises of all American sports. You know, ran ran perfectly consistent as ever. And then on top of that, he had a lot of talent. I mean, there was they still had Ben and A B at that time. So there was a lot of talent, whereas Carolina Panthers don't have those things. 
So I think the Carolina Panthers, it's a bad word to use, uh, but for lack of a better term, they're, they're more desperate than Pittsburgh was. Pittsburgh could play kind of hardball more so than Carolina can. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey is their team right now. He was winning games for them single-handedly this season, and they were they were horrible to watch. But you knew they had a fighting chance because he was on the field. And yeah, well, now now they just got to surround him with somebody that you know he can play off of. But to me, well, it was Teddy, a very, very well deserved. It'll be interesting to see how him and Teddy Bridgewater coexist in the backfield because, I mean, him and Cam Newton worked out pretty well, and then Cam got hurt and. Carolina decided to move on and he didn't really have as adequate of a quarterback the rest of the season. So, I mean, I think it, I think, it, I think that point right there is the big one. What? But Teddy, I, I think Teddy is going to make, he's going to, he's such a better compliment to Teddy than he was Cam. Yeah, for sure. Cam Newton, I think is, is, uh, you know, probably two, three levels up on Teddy, but Cam was like a, a, a you know a big beat you up down the middle kind of guy, and Teddy Bridwater is, is a drop back passer. So it's like you could stack the box against Cam Newton and stop Cam and Christian McCaffrey. Whereas like now, if you stack the box, Teddy Bridgewater is going to just be able to drop back and throw it. I think that ultimately that's going to you know those two players complement each other. Well, and he can also throw it to McCaffrey. McCaffrey is probably the best receiving running back in the league right now. Yeah, no, that's exactly. They're the perfect complement. I mean, you you can't sit back. You can't sit back and play. You know, this. You know, all coverage can't have. You know, you can't have seven guys in coverage um, against Christian McCaffrey, and then you can't put eight guys in the box against uh, Teddy. Right. So it's gonna be. It's gonna be. You know, what what do you do? How are you gonna stop it? And so you know, Teddy. You know, you could be. Gonna have, he could be a sleeper for one of these really good years next year, having a Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So, all right, that was it for my housekeeping items that I wanted to go over real quick in terms of what's going on in the sports world and how it's been affected by coronavirus and all of that stuff because, I mean, that's just the reality of the world that we're living in, and I, I felt it was necessary to talk about, honestly. Yeah, plain and simple, it sucks right now. Everything does. No, it really does. <laughs> But all right, let's let's move on to the main topics of tonight. The first one was sparked by an uh, an article or a list or something that Tyler found on the internet. Uh, Tyler, why don't you go into more details about about what it is? Oh yeah, actually, one sec. Let me pull up. So I let me pull up their um, handle so I don't mess this up. Uh, yeah, so basically, I there's you know Pacific Northwest uh, Instagram account that I follow called uh, NW Ballers, so Northwest Ballers, but it's at NW Ballers. Shout out those guys; they got great content. Um, but basically, they post about Washington or a lot of Washington kids, Oregon, Idaho. They sneak in there sometimes, but for the most part, it's Washington. And they posted the uh, they did a fancy draft of. Uh, high school football players from Washington State, and I just thought it was really cool. Uh, and it, and I told him, you know, like I really liked the content; it was a good idea. And then, you know, off of that, I posted something on Facebook, kind of turned, you know, that their their uh, high school football like all time teams into just all of the athletics. Right. So from that, 
now on the show, what we're going to do, Tyler has a list of his top athletes from the state of Washington. Doesn't matter the sport. This is just his, his personal list of top athletes from the state of Washington. Um, Basically we're kind of going off of being born in Washington, played at high school, grew up in Washington. And then Jacob and I have our lists of top athletes from California. Cause obviously that's where Jacob and I are from. Tyler's from Washington. So, yeah. So Tyler, why don't you give your list of yeah. Yeah. top athletes from Washington? And then Jake will give his list of top athletes from California. And then I'll do mine. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And, you know, one more time, MW Ballers. Um, I thought that was a really cool idea to do like a fancy draft format. So it was three guys. And then at the end, they had three, you know, football teams full of kids that played high school football in Washington State. And uh, I'm super pumped about this list. I did I did a ton of research on this one because, <laughs> A, we're, a, we're in a you know, quarantine. And, B, I didn't want to leave anybody off the list. Right. So, so I kind of I and I also I stuck to the last like two decades or so, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, so I try I tried to stick to my lifetime. Uh, there were you know there's a lot of guys um, beforehand that definitely would deserve to be ahead of some of these people, but uh, this is just my lifetime. So are we just gonna you just want me to rattle off the whole list or how we? Yeah, just ra- just rattle off your whole list and then Jake will do his list and I'll do my list. And then would you guys do ten? I I have twelve technically. Oh, okay. No, that's no, that's perfect. Yeah. I was like I was pretty stuck between like ten, eleven, so I'll just do eleven. Okay. Um so real quick I'll do kind of the big three sports. Um so I'll start off with the hoopers. This one was really hard to kind of whittle it down, but a lot of good Washington uh, hoopers. A lot of definitely like our, our strong suit as a sport. Um, when it comes to like the pro level, uh, so I went with um, I went with Nate Robinson. Well, yeah, you have, you have to put Nate on there. And so Nate was arguably, I think he might be the number one overall athlete in the sense that he was the dual dual athlete. Started started on the football team and the basketball team as a freshman at the University of Washington. Yeah, he, he was a receiver uh, for football, wasn't he? Corner, corner. There corner, you go. Defensive back, yeah. I'm pretty sure he got a pick in the Rose Bowl his freshman year. He was a stud. I mean, this kid for sure would have been an NFL corner, uh, but went on to be a, a great NBA player. Yeah, and let's not uh, let's not forget he's five eight, three time dunk champ, uh, which I'm pretty sure is the record. Yeah, so, he's the only three time uh, dunk champion. So Seattle, right there. I think that's one of Seattle's big big achievements. Is we've got more dunk contests chance for one guy than anybody uh the <laughs> next guy the next the next guy that got this like a similar record is Nate Robb and that's Jamal Crawford uh he's got three sixth man of the year awards uh Jay Crossover is just a legend and this one is probably more hometown lore than like actual pedigree but I mean play basketball you know 15 plus seasons NBA like I said three three-time six-man-of-the-year award winner, which is the most in history. And he is the oldest player in NBA history to get 50 points in one game. And then we got uh, – and then to me, the two best bats. Didn't Jamal and Nate both go to Rainier Beach? Yep. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I I guess I should say that. I kind of just assume people know that. But for the (laughs) most part, most most Seattle Hoopers are – 
are beach kids. There, there's some that aren't. And in fact, these next two were not beach kids. Um, I have four hoopers. So I got I got Jay Crossover, Nate Robin. Uh, then I got B Roy. Yeah. I got It. I got Isaiah Thomas. To me, B Roy and Isaiah Thomas, um, like arguably, I think that they reached the peak of like the best player we've ever produced. Uh, specifically, Brandon Roy was one time he was an All NBA player and he was three time All Star in his first five seasons before a knee injury. I think B Roy is arguably the best player in the NBA Seattle ever had because I remember uh, there was a point in time where he was arguably a top 10 player in the league and then IT I think uh, getting fifth in MVP votes in 2017 I think getting fifth in MVP votes has got to be close to the like highest the Seattle Hoopers ever reached I mean he was he was right there and a dual time all-star so uh, Isaiah he's from Tacoma Washington Brandon Roy went to Franklin and then Nate Robb and Jay Crossover from Beach. Uh, then real quick, my NFL players, Jonathan Stewart from Timberline. Oh, yeah. A tenure, tenure starter at running back, one of the hardest uh, positions in, in NFL to, you know, have longevity at. I don't think that he necessarily has, like, outstanding stats, but his career stats will dominate any anyone from Washington State. Um, just Jonathan Stewart's way up there in my book. Uh, David DeCastro, he's a three-time All-Pro lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he won three state championships in four years at Bellevue High School. Um, just a dominant offensive lineman. And then we got uh, and then we got a kid named Buda Baker. Um, Buda Baker to me is like one of the best prospects ever. Four-time state champion uh, in high school. Started three years at UW. Uh, second-round draft pick, all-pro special teamer. And I think Buddha is just kind of like that honey badger type of player where he can really just make a play for you on defense. So um, those are my football and basketball players. I got one baseball player. Uh, that's Tim the Freak Linscombe. Okay, uh, okay. Seattle Seattle kid, won two Cy Young Awards, and then went to uh, – got three of those world series rings so yeah i think three world, know. three world three world series rings and two cy youngs um to to me tim linscombe's got the the best individual like in team success of anyone from seattle the last 20 years yeah in terms of like rings and individual <laughs> I mean, accolades like, for positions yeah, i mean that that's like winning mvp you know so it's just we haven't had anyone win mvp in the NFL. we haven't had anyone win mvp in the nba uh that's just freaky good yeah um and then then so then i'm gonna go uh now i'm gonna switch into uh these last three are gonna be like non kind of like traditional sports okay uh, well, nah, I mean, I guess one of them is a soccer player, so I'll start off with her. Uh, I got Hope Solo. Hope Solo was the U.S. Women's National Team goalie for 16 years. She won two, she won two gold medals. Uh, she won a World Cup. Uh, she's, she's been to three Olympics, and, uh, I mean, 15 years, 16 years as the national team's goalie. I think the women's, the U.S. Women's National Team is probably – the best team in America second only to men's basketball. I think that they're absolutely, you know, that dominant. Yeah. So for her to be a starter on the best team in our country in, in the world's most popular sport, 
I think that she's just, you know, she's a guilt for that. Um, also on Hope Solo, shout out Casey Keller. He's also a Washington kid, also a goalie, also 15 plus years for the national team. For, so for some re- weird reason, Washington State's produced really two real good goalies. <laughs> um, and then after Hope Solo, I got the the Olympian, the the kind of speed skater phenomenon in the 2002 Salt Lake City Games, Apollo Anton Ono. Oh, I didn't know he was from Washington. From Seattle, um, he's got eight Olympic medals, two gold. Uh, I just remember 2002 Salt Lake. He was oh, yeah. on the news every single day. The soul patch was like a big, big thing. Uh, his dad was like a hairstylist <laughs> on like a salon in, in, in Seattle. But what I think a funny anecdote about Ono is like there's a scene, you know, Blades of Gory, the Will Smith, uh, the Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Will Smith, uh, Will Ferrell movie. Uh, they do kind of like Will Ferrell's Chaz Michael Michael, his character's like upbringing. He was like an underground speed skater. Well, that was kind of like the joke on Apollo Anton Ono was like he was a speed, like a roller skater. Oh, and just okay. like in kind of these janky leagues. And that was like the, and then he became a, like an ice skater. And that was like Will Ferrell. They kind of made, so that whole joke in that movie is about Apollo Anton Ono. Uh, but two gold medals, I mean, he was like a world star. And from Seattle, so he's got to be in the top ten. And then my last one, uh, this guy might be the GOAT uh, Washington athlete. Uh, that's Demetrius the Mighty Mouse Johnson, UFC fighter, uh, 27-3-1 and one, uh, all time. He's the first UFC flyweight champ ever, uh, which is pretty crazy. And then the, the, the best is he defended his belt a record 11 times. Oh wow! So he, he won. He won eleven UFC fights holding that belt. Um, so Demetrius Johnson, I mean, he's already, he's one of probably top ten UFC fighter of all time. Uh, so you know he's got to be close to like Linscombe uh, with the individual success, having a belt, a UFC belt, just right up there with you know the MVP of MLB. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's my those are my guys. There were so many more, but I had to whittle it down to that. Well, try being from California. Yeah, we had a tough time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had to leave some, some I, people I off our list. I don't watch WWE. Uh, I don't know if you guys do, but I was I did uh, when I was a kid. Uh, but Daniel Bryan, I guess, is like a pretty big star in the WWE nowadays, and he's from a small town of Washington, Aberdeen, actually where Kurt Cobain grew up. Oh, okay. Um, so he's like a WWE star. I just don't know anything about wrestling, so I left him off. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Jacob, now I have a feeling our lists are going to be pretty similar. I would I would think so. There's probably a couple tweaks here and there. Yeah, just based off of personal preference and stuff like that. But um, just go say your list, and then if I have them on my list, I'll just say I have them on my oh, list Oh, so too. in any order you want me to name them? Yeah, I mean, however order you want. All right, so coming in uh, first that I have on my list was a no-brainer was Tom Brady coming in from San Mateo. I have him. Uh, Tiger Woods. I have him as well. Aaron Rodgers. Have him. Kawhi Leonard. I have him. Uh, Richard Sherman. I have him. Damian Lillard. I have him. Clay Thompson. Yep. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Uh, James Harden. Yep. And then uh, Christian Yelich was my last one. Okay. And then I, ha- I did have one that I left off. He was an honorable mention, and that was Paul George. 
Okay, I have Paul George on my list. Did you say James Harden? I did say James Harden, yeah. Okay, did you say Clay Matthews? No Clay Matthews. Okay, Clay Matthews, born in Northridge, California, went to Agora High School in Agora Hills. Actually, that's my rival high school, Calvasas and Agora rival high schools. So that's kind of fun fact there. And then I also had Marshawn Lynch on my list. Yeah, see, he was another one that I couldn't. Yeah. I wanted to put him on there too. There was a couple. There was twelve or thirteen that I had when yeah. I when it was what all about, said and done. What about Mike Stanton? Oh yeah, well Giancarlo Stanton now. Mike Stanton, he's from the Valley. Yeah. He's from a, the eight one eight. Mike Mustakis, Mike Mustakis, a baseball player, also from the Valley. Braun too, right from uh, the yeah Brewers. Ryan Braun. Uh, Deshaun Dude, Jackson was another one I had too on my list. Deshaun Jackson, D Jack. Uh, yeah, no, but the, dude, if you're not a, if you're not like a grade eight, like Hall of Fame superstar, you can't be on Cali's list. What about Tyson Chandler and Trevor Ariza? Yeah, see, they're not in the same neck of the woods as as James Harden and Tom Brady. And, <laughs> well, yeah, no. But and, did you consider world, did you consider Kevin Love at any point as a California kid? Yeah. No, he's from Lake uh, Oswego. Oh, well, I know, but he went to school out here. Oh, but you're talking about high school, though, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, got you. Okay. He went to UCLA. There you go. Okay. He's from Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know he was from Oregon. Uh, yeah. but interestingly uh, enough, his high school his high school nickname was the Lakers. Well, maybe you should, should go play for them. My uh, all-time Lakers. Cali high school, the high school athlete like that I always think of, when I just think of just dominant Cali athletes, Reggie Bush. But he didn't go to high school. Well, he went to. Oh, yeah, he's from San Diego. You're right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right. He, he grew up. He grew up. He grew up in Cali. Yeah. He was. Uh, he he played high school ball with Alex Smith. Yeah, it's easy for me to forget about Reggie Bush because I'm a UCLA fan, and he tormented yeah. us for so many years. Oh, so that was a biased was pick just, that you left yeah, him off. Yeah, very biased. It. He was just. Uh, he was just like as a high school. Like his pro career is legit. But like as a high school and college player, he was the no, man. he was the man, the man. So, all right, that that was um, the top athletes from California for Jacob and I, and the top athletes from Washington for Tyler. Moving on now, yeah, that's what, a good, good, that's a good good segment. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean, we could do multiple segments of just top athletes from Washington and California with so many different lists. Yeah, no, I was impressed at, at, at you know, like all the baseball. We had more baseball players than I realized, you know, we had so much success and like we had, you know, a good amount of Olympians. Yeah. It was just pretty, pretty cool. Well, Olympians, Michelle Kwan and Sean White are from California. Dude, you, what are you talking about, bro? The Chloe Kim, the star of the last Olympics. She's from L.A. Star of the last Olympics. The last Winter Olympics, Chloe Kim. Oh, the, the snowboarder. snowboarder. Yeah. Yeah she, yeah, she was like the she was like the star of the Winter Olympics. She's yeah, from yeah. Cali. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah she trains at, trains at Mammoth. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, all right. The next topic I wanted to do, Every everybody knows I love Twitter. And Twitter is a great place for conversation, debate, and shit talking, shit talking, arguments, all all that stuff. Twitter, Twitter is a crazy place. But one thing that I love is all the hypothetical scenarios that get thrown out on Twitter, and people are like, "All right, would you take this or that?" And just comments galore, and it just goes on and on. So 
I am going to start keeping a running document of hypotheticals that I find interesting that revolve around sports, and I'm going to throw them at Jacob and Tyler from time to time on the show when we find it necessary. So tonight I have five hypotheticals I'm going to throw at you guys, and I want to know first... This comes from at the NBA Central. I want to know which of these is the best backcourt out of these four options, okay? If you need to write them down, write them down. Let me know if you need me to to repeat them. All right. Best backcourt out of these four. Darren Williams and Donovan Mitchell. Gilbert Arenas and Bradley Beal. Vince Carter and Kyle Lowry, Joe Johnson and Trey Young. Tyler, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, this is a, this is a funny one. I, uh, I I saw this. This is uh, pretty tough because obviously they're they're all pretty good in their own respect. Yeah. Um, and like you know the, the Trey Young and Joe Johnson one man, the shooting in that backcourt. That's scary. Trey Young's Trey Young's game is so similar to Nash. Um, Nash, you know, with more of a scoring ability, or not ability, but just tendency. Um, that one's interesting, but I got to go with Gilbert and Brad Beal. That's where I was going to go. Oh, see, that's my choice right there. Uh, Gil- go with, Gilbert and, go with, uh, and Bradley Beal. Just because, I mean, especially because I know what Gilbert's peak was like, you know, not necessarily his entire body of work, but Gilbert's peak would just be crazy. Um, yeah, but yeah, I like the JJ and Trey though. The, the Darren Williams, Donovan Mitchell one is interesting too. Yeah, no, I mean, all three of these, like Vince Carter and Lowry, like, but they almost have similar games though. Williams and Mitchell to me, they had kind of, they had very similar games. Well, what's funny is like Darren Williams was like a, you know, pure point guard and Donovan Mitchell's more of like, you know, an off ball guard and, Darren Williams is way bigger than Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, it's fun, funny you got the bigger the bigger ball handler with the smaller score. Yeah. So all right, moving on the next one. This comes from at ESPN of all places. This is going to be our, our our one and only competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our one and only competition. Uh, all right. This is two teams going up against each other. Who wins? All players are in their primes for one game. This is just one game. One game, okay. One uh, game seven, basically, right? Sure. If you want to, okay. if you want to think about it in, in those terms. All right. Team one: Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My goodness. Okay. It's a pretty stacked lineup. Okay. Team two. Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal. Who wins all players in their primes one game? I knew this was going to be a trick question. <laughs> so for the first lineup, the two, uh, who's the four and the five again? It's Hakeem and who else? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so real quick, just like I tried to, I've tried to do this by like the weakest link. But it's like my weakest link. They got Hakeem and D-Wade. They're both pretty fucking good. So <laughs> yeah, um, man, this is a cra- this is like a crazy one. Um, 
but I got to go with team two. Like, even though I think Dwayne Wade is the, the worst of the 10 players in the field, not that that means shit, but <laughs> it's, it's like, I still think that like Kobe and MJ will kind of just cancel each other out. Uh, Braun, obviously I got over bird Duncan. I got over Hakeem and Shaq. I got over Kareem. So I got to go. Even if MJ can somehow like pull out the victory over Cubs, Braun, Duncan, Shaq, I think dominate the front court compared to Bird, Hakeem, Kareem. Yeah, for sure. I think the physicality for Team 2 is a lot better. And like if you're going to take it matchup per matchup, you might have like a little difference here and there. But overall, uh, Kareem's losing that matchup to, uh, to Shaq. Yeah, Shaq's bullying yeah, him. That, every, that's, that's a bucket every single time. But the playmakers like LeBron, because he would probably run the point, because Dwayne Wade wouldn't do that. Him against uh, Magic, he would win that matchup easily. So I think yeah, I would well, still have to go with Team 2. And I think Braun, Braun and Shaq are the top two, like, most physically uh, dominant players ever. Yeah. Like, it'd probably be those two and, like, Will. And, it, yeah, like and it's not dominant. to say that Team 1 no, isn't physical like, because, like, Larry Bird, like, he, he may seem like the odd man out because he was more of a scorer, but he was also really physical, too. He was a gritty player. But I just no, think that the like physicality, the all, yeah, I just think the physicality of Team 2 is a lot better. Yeah. You got the eighties you got the eighties versus the early two thousands. Right. Which are, you know, I think as a whole, the the two you know, two of the most popular eras ever. Yeah. So are are we all consensus going with team two? Yeah, we're all two for two be, on both hypotheticals. Yep. Yeah, God, I, I hate to vote against Magic and Bird and, and Jordan because that's three of that's like three of the top five players ever, but Got to go with the matchups. All right. Moving on to number three. This is coming from at Hilltop NBA. Who you got in a best of seven? This is another team one, team two scenario. But this this one's kind of different. We got specific versions of players. Okay. So who you got best of seven? Team one. Nets, Jason Kidd. A Magic Tracy McGrady, Indiana Pacers Ron Artest, Ooh. Toronto Raptors Chris Bosh, and a Rockets Yao Ming. That's Team One. Man, why'd they fuck that team up with Chris Bosh? <laughs> like that, that 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 team was just like I was just like this is the fucking <laughs> like my middle school high school squad. Wait, like, so then who would have you put in at the four though? Well, Dude, wait, wait, wait. With the guys, the guys of the generation. Oh, go ahead, Scar. No, no, no. Who do, who would you put? Who would you put? I, I mean, you got you got all all the big name guys, which they probably didn't want to go with big names, and that's Duncan Garnett and Dirk. Yeah. But even if you didn't want to go with those guys, you got so many cool players. Like I'd put Rashid on there, Jermaine O'Neal on there, Chris Webber on there. Those guys match the era of the other four. Yeah, because right. you could have said something like uh, Sacramento Kings, Chris Webber. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. All right. Well, now you're going to hear team two. No, but that team, that team one was dope as fuck until it shot out the power (laughs) forward. (laughs) All right. Team two. Blazers, Damian Lillard. So a current Damian Lillard. A Bulls, Jimmy Butler. A Pacers, Paul George. And it didn't specify whether it was pre-injury, post-injury. I'll say pre-injury. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Pacers, Paul George, 
yeah. a, a Clippers Blake Griffin, and then a Grizzlies Mark Gasol. Do you want me to repeat the teams? No, I got. I mean, I got him. Who's the two and the three for the first team? The two and the three for the first team are a Magic Tracy McGrady and an Indiana Pacers Ron Artest. Oh, Artest. Okay. Yeah, and see, like, man, you know, like I think that there's a couple point guards you could have went with over Lillard. These teams are dope. Like, I like that they put like, you know, like Butler, Paul George, Blake Griffin, Gasol, like all the same, you know, and probably like 2012 were probably all just popping, you know? Yeah, and I'll be, I'll and be honest. This other team was like 2005 all day, you know? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll be honest. The only reason I'm saying these team-specific guys, these were the jerseys these guys were pictured in in the post. So that's what I'm going off of. Yeah, no, I mean, he picked all the right teams for all these guys. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, I got to go with team one. Fucking got to go with my dogs. Yeah. J-Kid, T-Mac, Ron Artest, Yao. I mean, those guys are, you know, when basketball was everything in my life, those were the stars. I don't know. I really like Team 2 a lot better. All like, right. Our first discrepancy. Yeah, yeah, first one. I had to do it. But yeah, I just team, I just feel like the passing, yeah, the passing and the defense for Team 2 is a lot better. Hey, but Hey, but hey, I could be wrong. Hey. We got J.K. at the pass the rock, and we got we got Ron Artest to play defense. Yeah, we got I don't T-Mac know, man. To score the bucket. I got I got to go. I got to go with Team One, even though I mean both these teams are legit, obviously. But got to go with Team One. Yeah. All right. I'm breaking the tie. I'm going Team One. So all right, the next one, fourth. This comes from at First Take. So the daily ESPN morning show, First Take. Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman. Who gets an MVP first? Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, or John Morant? Oh, easy, Luka. That one didn't yeah. even have to he- hesitate for that. Yeah. Uh, just because of where he's at, you know, I, I just think that when it comes to, like, his team, where his team's ready, he's got the best, uh, he's got the best, like, counterpart. And so, like, he's going to be on a winning team, and he's just so mature for his game. It's like... Yeah, he's already the cornerstone of that organization, and they're they're building around him. Not to say that they're not doing that for Trey or Zion, because they kind of are, but now they're like surgically, you know, getting players and acquiring these players to go around Luca because that's just the guy who they drafted, and that's who they have all their confidence in, and he is their next generational player. Like that's how Dirk was for them. Now he's their next guy. He's gonna. He's. He's. I just. Yeah. He's definitely just like the closest to being at that level already. So I gotta assume that he'll be the first one out of that group. But all four of those guys could potentially get one. Yeah. No. No doubt. I mean, listen. I mean, I think Luca probably ends in the top five in MVP votes for this season. So. Yeah. All right. Last one. At Hooper Bible on Instagram, which duo are you taking? All players in their primes. I got three duos. Which duo are you taking? Shaquille O'Neal and Steph Curry. LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan and Kawhi Leonard. Pretty good matchups there. Oh, God. It sucks to say that Curry is probably the weakest link out of all of them. (laughs) 
No, I got Kawhi as the weakest link. You think Kawhi Leonard's a, a, a lesser of a player than Steph Curry? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I got I've, you know how I feel about Steph. I think Steph's I think Steph's going to end the day ahead of Magic Johnson. No, 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 and don't get me wrong. I love Steph, but I just feel like he is the weakest link in this duo pair. If you're going matchup for matchup nah. in a in a uh, a game, you know, two v two, he can drop sixty on anybody. Well, that's according, has- that's that's according to him in an IG video. <laughs> hey man, I, I I watched him just like I watched LeBron in the NBA Finals with no help, and they still busted ass every single play. I just I still think that Steph's at a high level, and I truly believe that like at the end of the day, when he's all done, he's gonna be right there with Magic Johnson. And he's gonna have an argument for greatest point guard ever. So, but I got rolled. I got I got rolled Bron and Kobe on this one. Yeah, that's that's where I'm going. If I don't pick Bron and Kobe, like what the hell, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, listen, just, just, those are the those are the pillars of my time. Yeah. No, for, oh, no doubt. Who are you going with, Jacob? I, I have uh, LeBron and Kobe, too. See, I almost had – it was it was tough because I was thinking about the Shaq and Curry dynamic, too, and see That's how a that – scary dynamic. Yeah, because you have the, the, the inside presence with Shaq. You don't need, he doesn't even need to step outside of the paint for no. any reason. And then you have Curry dominating the perimeter. So Yeah, the I inside kinda, out. kind of thought about it a little bit, but I'm going to have to go with Shaq and Kobe. Or, sorry, uh, Shaq and LeBron. Yeah, no. LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll mix it up. Fuck yeah, two I mean, times. Shaq and Shaq and Curry, you got the greatest. You got the greatest player on the three point line ever, and you got the greatest player on the block ever. Pretty, pretty, pretty tough to stop. But I just Brown and Kobe are those dudes. Yeah, but no, listen the the debate between Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard is exactly why I love these hypothetical scenarios because it it brings up debates like that because. Listen, like who's the weakest link out of all of them? No, just like who's a better player, Steph Curry or Kawhi Leonard? I just think it's 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 people people overreact with Kawhi. I think that he is like a you know a top five basketball player in the world, but you know I don't think he's number one. Uh, I think that he is like embarking on one of the greatest careers ever. But even still today, like I just I believe in what Steph Curry can do, and I've just seen Steph Curry put a stranglehold on the league before and I, I just I don't think I can get that out of my head so that's kind of where I stand with Steph over Kawhi yeah see I only said he was the weakest link in the matchup but I'm still taking him over Kawhi Leonard just because of the kind of player he is he is a once in a generation type player he changed the game as far as if you come into the league now and you can't shoot the three ball then you're kind of a non-factor Let's be honest here. A lot of these guys are stretching even beyond the three-point mark now. Absolutely. He's one of the most – he's top five most influential basketball player ever. Changed the game. Yeah. Bro- broke broke the game. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, the NBA is not where it is today without Steph Curry. Yeah, because teams had to make changes on how they guard uh, opposing teams. Now you guard the three ball more than you would ever. Well, it's a mixture between Steph Curry and the Splash Brothers. I mean, I, I think you have to include the Warriors team in general, but well, yeah. Curry, Curry and analytics uh, coming together was just like a force of nature. So, like, you just had you had this analytical like factor that you didn't have in previous years, and so you know the analytics are saying shoot the rock, 
And then Steph Curry's like, let me shoot the rock. And change. Well, yeah, you have two guys in him and Thompson that can shoot the lights out. And honestly, from that 2015 uh, to 2018 stretch, they were busting teams' asses. Oh, yeah. Clay Thompson definitely has to get credit in, in this, too. Yeah, no, I mean, you would, you, you, Steph would be not worried that today if it wasn't for Clay. Just like, just like Pippen and Jordan, you know, just like, you know, Magic and Kareem, like, you have to have that other piece. Yeah. But, all right. So, I mean, I, we're going to keep doing these Twitter hypotheticals because I think we are going to see a lot more of them as sports is remains absent in our lives, especially live sports. So, I mean, listen, these these have been a lot of topics of discussion lately, and I, I think it's it's fun to, to bring here to the TSK show. If you guys, any of the listeners, have any hypotheticals you want to throw our way definitely please hit us up at tsk show on facebook twitter and instagram throw those our way and we will incorporate them in the show and shout you out but all right let's close it out now with the last segment of the night our top 10 combo guards in the nba right now and tyler like you have for all the other installments of this series why don't you kind of explain how we came to the definition of combo guard yeah, so uh, if you haven't been listening, we decided to rank. You know, we typically do the point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center format, and we'll rank all the those five positions in the NBA. But this year, because the last couple of years, we've kind of just felt like it's hard to put these players in a box, which we're still doing. Uh, we're still kind of putting these players in boxes, but uh, we're just trying to get to more of like a realistic type of positioning. Uh, and for tonight, we're going to do combo guards. And to me, combo guards are guys that play the one and the two. So like a traditional point guard, shooting guard. Uh, it's somebody that I don't see play the three too often. Or like, you, you know, if, if you play the, a combo guard with two more guards, that's like a three guard offense. Uh, they, I don't think that they're ever considered into like the wing, the wing forward scenario. Um, so this is a player that typically plays off the ball, but has a guard skill set. Um all right. You guys want to just pop right? You guys want to pop into it? Yeah, no. Let's let's go. You you want to start with your number ten, and then Jacob will go, and then I'll go. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was trying to think of maybe like an old school player to kind of like you know. There was a lot. I mean, Michael Jordan to me was like a combo guard. You know, he brought the ball up a lot. He, he could play. He could play defense on the one or the two. He could really play um, one through three. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, some of these top-level guys can, but that's that's why they're top-level guys is they can defend multiple positions. And, in fact, one of my guys on this list, I think, can guard four positions. Um, but starting at number 10, I got Malcolm Brogdon um, of the Indiana Pacers. Okay, okay. Uh, to me, he was, he was in our – I think he was in both of our top 10 last year. Yeah. Um, He's he's just a great what I you know I just think he's an old fashioned basketball player does a little bit of everything doesn't have any huge glaring weaknesses isn't like overly athletic um, but just can play with the point guard can play with the shooting guard uh, and and defend both positions really well. Yeah, no, I mean for me Brogdon was was a bit fringe this year because I think he's taken a step back in Indiana. We had a bigger role in uh, Milwaukee, right? And now he's got to he play. Now Indiana. he's got to play alongside Victor Oladipo. Now that he's back, so um, Brogdon, I definitely 
great NBA player, knows his role, got signed to a big contract to go to Indiana after performing well over his um, draft status. Uh, I think he was rookie of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And a lot of people were pissed well, that he was, too. Right. But it was well-deserved. Well, I don't think people understood of why he won the award. Right. So It was because Ben Simmons was a sad yeah, out. Yeah, it was the Ben Simmons year. Mm-hmm. So, Brogdon, to me, I don't think he's top 10 anymore. But, listen, I I definitely see the argument for it. Jacob, who you got at 10? So, at number 10, I have Danny Green of the L.A. Lakers. To me, he's a great two-way player. You already know he's a great shooter, but during his time with the Spurs, too, he was always a good defender and a solid defender. And I think as years have gone by, too, he's only solidified his role as a, a primary defender on the the opposing team's two guard or their point guard. So to me, he's one of their, um, he's, he's a top player, but um, he does have a couple of things where he can't necessarily put the ball on the floor and get to the rim all the time, but still he could shoot the lights out. And if he's paired with the right playmaker, he's a great asset. Yeah. He's a good guy to play next to superstars. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely a guy who knows his role and knows what to do. And he's good at what he's doing. And look at all the teams he's been on, especially the Spurs where he kind of started, even to um, the Raptors where he won a title, um, and now the Lakers. Now he's played with a bunch of players, generational players too. Hold on a second. I got I to gotta interrupt because Tyler Paxton is trying to FaceTime me, so I'm going to throw him on here. He tried to FaceTime me earlier. Well, I'm, I'm answering now. Uh, all right. Good luck. <laughs> Paxton. Your kids Paxton, you're on the TSK show. What do you got for us? I oh, fuck. I was just saying that. I don't I have nothing. Oh, okay. But it, I was calling. Are you with Tyler right now, obviously? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not with him. He's on the phone. Oh. What I, up? I tried calling what him up, about five you? seconds ago. Yeah, you're, you're here for a historical moment. I have not smoked weed in 42 days. Wow. 42 and days. I, that's a fact. I have it on, d- on the calendar. This, today is day number 42 of no smoking weed. And you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to smoke some fucking weed. <laughs> All right. Well, it isn't today. Isn't today Jackie so Robinson if you want, Day? If you want to today is Jackie yeah, Robinson is. Day. It seems like it seems so like news hit, to me if you want to put it on the podcast. Oh, well, this is definitely so you, going on the podcast. He, he can't hear you, Tyler, unfortunately. It's day 42 for you. And it's also Jackie Robinson Day, which is 42 day. Right now? No, I'm not no. joking at all. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the stars align, man. <laughs> they really do, my friend. Cheers, oh my cheers, God, I'm big guy. Yeah, so that's that's Sklar's good friend, Paxton. No, it's um, definitely your friend from home. <laughs> but no, Paxton's a good uh, guy. Oh, almost the one time, almost the one time sound man for the TSK show, but it didn't didn't work out. Didn't work out that way. But all right, let's let's get back into this list. I'm so, I just I felt compelled to answer the FaceTime. Hey, right now you take anything from Zoom to uh, Skype calls, FaceTime calls. Yeah, and listen, I thought it would provide some entertainment, and it definitely did. That's funny. But all right, for me, number ten combo guard in the NBA right now. Um. Can't believe I'm putting him on the list because he's a Celtic, but I got to go Marcus Smart. Mm. Yep, I got him at number nine. Okay, yeah, same, perfect. Yeah, that, that leads right into to what I wanted to say. I mean, for me, 
he's a guy that I think this is probably the guy Tyler was thinking about, but he's a guy that can guard four positions in the league. And while he is undersized for even his own position, he's able to, to put up his body against some of the big, biggest guys in the league. I mean, the Celtics have him guard Joel Embiid at times. So yeah, I just, he's a four. He's a force. I just think the value he has. He might not provide a lot of scoring. Oh no, his and his jump shot is atrocious to watch. But but if he gets hot, he can provide a streak for you that can he set is, off a not, run. He is one of their streaky scorers. No, he's not a liability, but he is sometimes a little streaky on the offensive end. But on the defensive end, you never have to tell him what to do. He's not a liability, but he's also he doesn't have to be relied on to score, which is I yeah, think, that's, perfect no, for that's, him. Yeah, that's not one of his roles. Right. Yeah, I, I love Marcus Smart. Definitely a big time fan. I, I do believe he can guard just about anybody. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, for me, I guess back to me already because that was both of your number nines. My number nine is Shea Gilgis Alexander, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, he's a he's a rising star in this league. Yeah. He was left off. I left him off my list, but I think he's definitely like on his way there. Yeah, and I just I think with the tutelage he's getting from Chris Paul, it's just going to, I think, even extend his career a couple years because of what Chris Paul's been able to do with his body in recent years. And I'm pretty sure he's vegan and cutting weight and all of that and how he's been able to extend his career. He's going to provide that information to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and he can implement that earlier on in his career and also just all the the on-court stuff that Chris Paul can teach Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And honestly, it was probably the best for Shea, too, to get traded from the Clippers to OKC because now he has more of a, a um, more opportunities, so to speak, with Chris Paul as well, like you mentioned. But he's he's now leaned on as a scorer and a go-to guy. That, that three-combo guard lineup that they do between him, Chris Paul, and uh, Schroeder, like that's one of the deadliest lineups in the NBA right now. And so you can just see how they're playing off of each other, too. Yeah. Yep, Shea's big time. All right, Tyler, who you got at eight? At at, uh, at at number eight, I got old old reliable Drew Holiday. Okay, interesting. Uh, of the New Orleans Pelicans, I think that he's like kind of a prototype uh, combo guard. Definitely a guy that can play the one or a two. He can play with a guy like Lonzo Ball, or he can play with a guy like JJ Reddick. Which you know, those two guys kind of have like night and day different types of games. So. Um, he is a little bit further down in his career. I think that when his wife got ill, his career definitely took kind of a, a down slope. You know, he was, I think that he was rolling pretty high. He won rookie of the year as well, right? Drew Holiday? Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, he was making playoff runs with Philadelphia, kind of their star player. And then, you know, his wife got sick. And I think there was a year or two there where his game really wasn't at its peak. And now, I think that he's coming back to that uh, being more consistent. So he did not win. No, he didn't either. win it. No, he didn't. No, he, uh, I can't remember if he won or not. But I know that he had a good impact from his rookie year on in Philadelphia, um, and he's had a good good career since. Yeah. Who you got, Jacob? All right. So at number nine, I have uh, no, this, eight. Oh, oh, number oh yeah, number eight. So at number eight, I have uh, the solid guard Fred Van Vliet. Of Ooh. the Toronto Raptors, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, to me, he's he's one of those guys, not a really big name, but very really solid, though. He can Made score a name for himself in the finals. And, oh, yeah, he did. And he was a big component off that bench, too. They don't win that title without uh, Fred or or their other bench pieces, too. So, to me, he's one of the uh, the solid two-way guards in the league. 
Yeah, he's a he's a stud. Van Vliet's going to be a, a good player in the league. And for I think a long time. I think with him too, why I have him so uh, or I, I put him on this list, I should say, is that. He just plays tough every single night. Like, I watch his games, too, and I really don't watch a lot of other people's games, you know, if it's not a Laker game or something local. But with him, I tend to watch his games with certain players, and he's one guy who plays hard on both ends of the floor. D's up, and he's usually guarding the one or the two, obviously, because he's a combo guard. But then on the offensive end, he's a honestly a great shooter, too. Yeah, he plays. He can play with Kyle Lowry. He can play with, you know, some or by of the himself, other guys. Yeah. Yeah, um, you could definitely. He's a good. He's a good combo guard, and I think why you know you, that play style is comes from kind of like the Wichita State play angry, small school under the radar. You know, I think he was a second round draft pick, so kind of have his chip on his shoulder. And those guys, I think, tend to play a little harder because uh, the road was a little grittier. So he's and he this year he made a huge step. I think that he made a. Uh, Siakam type leap and it's like man this guy this kid can score we can like rely on him more than be just like a backup point guard yeah for sure so for me at eight uh Tyler already kind of talked about him but I I have Drew Holiday oh yeah Holiday in the raid as well yeah yeah uh, I think that he's a guy where like he can kind of he probably sways quite a bit in people's lists yeah uh, I just think he's got a solid body of work underneath him yeah, I think you could honestly probably put him anywhere from like six to eight on any given day, but um, well, and I think that there's a lot of people that probably yeah, see, have, I have him at like, seven. Okay, yeah. yeah, there's probably a lot of people that have him way lower too. Yeah, for you know, sure. They're gonna take they're gonna take younger guys over him. Um, but Drew can play with anybody. Yeah. So all right, who do you have at seven, Tyler? Um, at seven, I got the the good old Lou Willville. So do I. Um, Lou Will is kind of like a, he's an interesting combo guy. I think he, you know, under his mentor of Alan Iverson adapted his play style, but he's kind of, you know, he's kind of an undersized two guard. Um, so, you know, he finds himself playing the point a lot, but his game is he's an off ball scorer, just like Iverson was. So typically when you have a Lou Will, you need to have another big, you know, like typically you'll have a bigger guard that doesn't take a lot of shots. Um, uh, like a, like uh, Eric Snow was for Iverson, that allows him, you know, to play off the ball. That's kind of similar uh, thing with Lou Will. I think that he plays better when he can play off the ball with another point guard, like he did, you know, Chris Paul and now um, now Pat Bev. Like Pat Bev doesn't take shots, so it's just like he's a good complement to that guy. Yeah. So you said. Jacob, you said you had Drew Holiday at seven? I had Drew Holiday at seven, yeah. Okay, and then I have Lou Williams at seven. Uh, so who do you have at number six, Tyler? This is where I think it turns into more of like the all-star guys. Yeah, um, I would say so. Even though, even though I think Lou Will, Drew, and Mark Smart and Brogdon, like they're all right there. But these top six are, are to me, this, the, the cream of the crop. Um, at number six, I got Victor Oladipo. My so do second, I. Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think he'd be higher on the list if not for injury. Um, you know, it kind of derailed his progress. Um, same with another guy on this list. But uh, he's still – I think he's bouncing back well, and he's still a kind of a top-tier threat as far as the scoring ability and then being able to defend both positions. Him and him and Brogdon are just like such a great backcourt offensive and defensively. Yeah, and I think, at least for me – 
like like I was saying about Drew Holiday, you could probably put him on my list probably anywhere from six to eight. Any like Victor Oladipo, Lou Williams, Drew Holiday, really interchangeable in my opinion. But the reason I have Victor Oladipo at six and let's say Drew Holiday at eight specifically right now, I think Drew Holiday's career is basically somewhat plateaued. We know exactly what we're getting with Drew Holiday and with Victor Oladipo, even with the injury, it adds more of a question mark. But I think he could even have taken another step above what he was at before the injury, now post-injury. Yeah, because he was already doing yeah. that before, gradually, when from when he started in Orlando to when he went to OKC, he was taking that, that next step, but he couldn't really take that next step with Westbrook, though, because it's kind of tough. He was taking right. all the shots. He handled the ball for the most part. Now being the number one option yeah. in Indiana, that now changes he's, things. He's given the keys to the car, so now he can do whatever he wants with the offense. Yeah, Oladipo, um, you know, it's, I think wouldn't be the guy he is, though, if it wasn't for his time in Oklahoma City, because I, I do similar to Gilgis Alexander, Chris Paul, I think Oladipo learned how to be just a tenacious finisher from Russell Westbrook. And when he left, when he left Oklahoma City, it went to Indiana. Uh, Indiana, he just he was a different animal when it came to scoring and when it came to attacking. Um, he was just like, "Fuck it, run up the rim and take all the shots." Uh, and I think he became more of a volume scorer, and that elevated his his not only his value but his productivity. Um, and then he got hurt, so we're just kind of looking to see if he can get back to that you know all star caliber guard that just in the Derrick Rose Russell Westbrook mold just attack and physically finish. Yeah. All right, Jacob. Who do you have at six? Was it also Oladipo? No. So at number six, I have Lou Williams of uh, okay. the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Top five now. Tyler, you're number five. Yeah, Zach Levine. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Zach Levine, um, went with him at five, similar to Oladipo. It's just we're just kind of, you know, starting to see that him and Oladipo are both looking like they're going to return to their old form, which is good. I don't think I don't think Levine lost any athleticism. I mean, maybe a half step, if that. Um, but Zach Levine is just a – he's a big guard. He can score the rock. He's athletic. And he's one of the few guys that I think, like Marcus Smart, he can he can guard three positions at least. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to see Zach Levine, you know, become an all-star and become that 25 points a game guy that I know he can be. He was a, he was a, honestly a snub this year, and it was in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, he was, and his points per game are up there. It's just it's always going to, you know, suck to, you know, not be able to finish the season. So, you know, I like to see Zach Levine next year return to the 25 points a game as he is now and get into that all-star game. Definitely. Uh, all right, who you got at five, Jacob? All right, so I know you guys had him a little bit lower, but I have Drew Holiday of okay. the Pelicans, yeah. No, I mean, listen, that's perfectly fair. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I would have him a little bit higher, but like you said, too, his career is kind of flatlined almost. So from his time that he was progressing from when he started in Philadelphia to now – you, you already said it, but you already know what you're going to get with him night yeah. in, night out. Right. All right. For me at number five, I actually have Donovan Mitchell. Which yeah. he's, a, he's a similar player that we've kind of seen him kind of, you know, plateau a little bit too. So Right, but it's, it's still early on enough in yeah. his career so, to where it can still. Yeah, in my peak. eyes, it's not really a concern for his player. Right, and that, that's honestly why I have him top five. I think he is a top five combo guard in, in the league already in his I think this is his third year in the NBA, second year in the NBA. 
I believe it's, no, his, I think it's, it's like his fourth. Yes, it's his fourth. Is it already because, his fourth? I mean, yeah, he's been in the I league for a while. Maybe that's his third. It's his third. It might be his third. Yeah, yeah it's his third. Simmons was the, ben Simmons was the rookie of the year. Uh, but yeah, like Donovan Mitchell is my number four. Uh, okay, and so Zach Levine was my number four. It's just like Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I see Donovan is my fourth, too. Okay. I think Donovan Mitchell kind of had like kind of a sophomore slump season where it's just like he didn't really take off. Like people had all these D Wade comparisons and he didn't really like take off to that magnitude. But I just still think he's he's still a 21, 22 points a game guy. 24.2 this season. And arguably the best defensive team in the league. So um, he's a, he's a, a definitely a, a top tier talent in the league. And one of the younger guys you want on your team. I mean, I think a big reason, though, that people often think that his sophomore season was kind of like a dud was just because he had a great uh, rookie season, too. He got him to the playoffs. Yeah, he had a sophomore slump. Yeah, yeah. Had a sophomore and, slump. and they upset a team. They upset the, uh, yeah, no. the the Thunder in that series. And that's why I think it was a slump. And, yeah. And, or that's why I think it wasn't, like, as much of a slump as it, it may seem because he had such hype. You know, he had all the Ben Simmons – that, you know, all that kind of talk with Ben Simmons being a rookie of the year. He won a playoff series. And he got all these, like, comparisons to, like, the new D-Wade and stuff like that. So I think that the, the bar was set really high after his, his rookie year. So the sophomore year, it just naturally, like, the only way he would have been able to improve would be average 26, 27 a game. Or to get them further so in the like, playoffs, too. Yeah, so you kind of set them up, I, I think, People set him up for failure in a sophomore season, which is why I don't think it's a true slump, more of just kind of like a sideways step. But I definitely look to see him keep growing as a as a player. Yeah. So you had you had him at four, Jacob? I had him at four. And then for me, I had Zach Levine at four. So Tyler, who do you have at three? All right, here's the big dogs. These are the the super max guys. Uh well, Mitchell and Levine pro- probably are too, but uh, at number three, I got C.J. McCollum of Portland Trailblazers. So do I. Um, you know, it's kind of nitpicking again at the top of the list. It's just kind of a personal preference. But uh, to me, C.J. being number three is more so the guys in front of him rather than him. Because yeah. I think that, you know, I think that, like, you could say he's the best combo guard in the league, and I wouldn't really argue. You know. Yeah, and also, let's be honest here, CJ McCollum hasn't technically been officially ever voted to an all-star game before. So it's, it's, I mean, he has all, which is funny that, which is, it's, it's completely blasphemous that he hasn't, he should be an all-star. Yeah. He has, he has all the elements to his game for him to be voted in. But like, if you look at his teammate though, too, Lillard has been snubbed a couple times. Lillard's been snubbed, but CJ has been snubbed too. I I think there were a couple of years he should have been in there. Um, Those but, guys, though, are victims of playing in Portland. I yeah. mean, it's just like the the bigger name guys. It's just there's so many big names in the West, especially at point guard. I mean, you've had you've had Russell, Steph, and Chris Paul his entire career. Right. So it's just like automatic. You know, those guys are getting in over him. So then it's like Damon Lillard and CJ are fighting for like one, maybe two spots every year. And they also take away votes from each other playing on the same team. Yeah, and it's just, but they're just, that's why I think that they're so great. That's why I think that, that you know, the Dan-CJ combo is so 
so amazing because they're both two small school guys, two guys with chips on their shoulder, all-star snubs, small, you know, small market team. They've got all the reasons why they shouldn't be successful if they completely just bust everybody's asses. Yeah. No, and listen, I mean, I mean we... They, when they got rid of LaMarcus, I thought there's no way that CJ and, and Dane could do this by himself. And even before they got rid of LaMarcus, they got rid of, uh, I think it was, fuck, who was it? You know, I forget who the two guard was, maybe B-Roy. Oh, it was Wesley, uh, Matthews. Wesley Matthews. Wesley Yeah. Matthews. And they had and Nicholas so Batum. Like, and so they let all those guys go and let CJ, you know, CJ was coming off the bench. So it was just like, man, you know, Portland really like went all in on a guy. Like you don't see a bench player turn into like a star player too often. Um, you know, like a Pascal Siakam of late, but CJ was one of those guys. Yeah. So, all right. Who do you have at three, Jacob? All right. So number three, I have uh, Victor Oladipo. Again, okay. he'd be higher, but because of the injury, I kind of put him back a couple slots. Okay. All right. Uh, Tyler, number two. Number two, I got to go with Brad Beal. Interesting. And, okay. And when it, when it comes to two and three, like Brad Beal and CJ, I think those guys are like damn near clones of each other. And um, and I've I've always kind of just like always kind of paired those two up in my mind. And it's funny today, John Wall was on Instagram Live talking about their specific games it was really interesting because i just had always kind of married those two together um and apparently so did he yeah no i mean listen i it's funny we've talked about cj mccollum and damian lillard breaking up and it still hasn't happened and we've talked about bradley beal and john wall breaking up and it still hasn't happened and that's probably why they're always kind of just like both of them are star two guards and play with star point guards. And, and so, and they're both two guys that are kind of like sharing spotlight and had good team success, uh, but not like enough good team success. So just very, very similar careers, all-star snub kind of guys. Um, different, but same, same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Who you got it to, Jacob? All right. Number two, I'd CJ McCollum. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, for me, number two, uh, and like Tyler said, like with the top three, it's really about personal preference. For me at number two, I have Devin Booker. Uh, so that means obviously number one, I have Bradley Beal. Same thing, yep. And Tyler, I'm assuming your number one is Devin Booker? Yep. Okay. So Definitely. for me, the reason I have Beal over Booker is I think Beal has been able to one. One, let's also talk about team success. Beal's yeah. been to the playoffs and had success in the playoffs. He's had battles against LeBron and all of that. Devin Booker, yeah, it sucks. He's in a shitty situation in Phoenix. Yeah, he's but, stuck right now. But he hasn't done anything with them. He he can't get them out of the bottom twelve in the in the East or in the West. Excuse me. So for me, it's like Bradley Beal. I have him at number one. Also for the jump he took this year. Now that John Wall's been out a year and a half, Bradley Beal's been able to up his points per game to th- over 30 a game now. Well, he had two back-to-back 50-point games, and then they both lost. Right. Yeah. They, they both lost, but, I mean, Devin Booker scored That's seven. Yeah, he did. Devin Booker scored yeah, seven. And yeah, lost. yeah. But see, but I know, but yeah. but to your point, though, I know what you mean, though. Uh, Bradley Beal's contribution to the team is more of a leadership role, that John Wall was their guy He's injured. Now you step up and be their scorer and their leader. Booker, 
I don't know if he has the maturity yet, or maybe he, his situation just well, sucks. Well, he is the leader in Phoenix, I think. Yeah, by but, far he is. But that says a lot about him having to be the leader and where it's where it's gotten them. Yeah, it's nowhere. They've, they, they've been – now, I got Booker number one, so I guess I'll play the defense on, on, <laughs> on Book being one. Uh, the, re- the reason why I have him over Brad Beal is I just think that he – you know, that's pretty, pretty nitpicky, but – I think that Brad and CJ, like Devin Booker, is just like a, a one tier above them as far as just like Devin Booker to me is like a special type of superstar that I think it, the lack of team success has blinded people's like vision. I think, you know, Phoenix being bad has been a bad look on him. And then the 70 point celebration was a bad look. But to his defense, I think that A, the 70 point game, um, I, I kind of changed my view on it once I heard Kobe talk about it. Yeah, and Kobe kind of basically said, like, listen to what he said, um, and in his post game interview, he basically said that he doesn't put limits on himself. And Kobe said, that's the kind of mindset you have to have to be somebody like Kobe. You know, you got to you you can't question if you need seventy, you need seventy. If you need eighty one, you need eighty one. Um, he doesn't put limits on himself. He doesn't think that there's anything he can't do, which I think is just like the killer mentality. And then the team success, man. I just don't believe that that can be all on him. Now, he did sign there as a free agent, so, you know, he's betting on himself. He thinks he can be the centerpiece, but they've been atrocious in the draft. Right. It's it's not been been his fault why why they've been atrocious. They haven't been able to, you know, they haven't been able to find a point guard because, and this is where he becomes a combo guard. Is like you just, you can't force him into the point position, I don't believe. He can play the point with some certain lineups, but I think that the majority of his minutes, he needs to play off the ball and come off screens and isolate and do all those types of things. Um, and so, you know, they it's just like two years in a row they had the fourth pick and then went Jogged Bender, Marquise Chris. Yeah. No, that's not what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah that organization you has know, been poorly ran for the past couple of years. Yeah. and Which, you know, I'm pretty sure Jerry Colangelo was the GM there. And then he left – because I think Jerry Clando had a really good run in Phoenix. Um, and then I'm pretty sure he's the one that left to start the process. Like the process No, that was his son. That was his son, Brian. Okay. All right. Jerry, there was a Colangelo on there. Well, Jerry was like, like Charles Barkley, Jason Kidd days. And then Steve Kerr yeah, had it yeah. during Steve Nash. And then it was Brian Colangelo. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, so I mean, I think that the I think that the lack of team success. Yes, he's in that group with the the Carl Anthony Towns and the D'Angelo Russells of the superstars that haven't really done anything. But I just can't really blame. I don't think he's played with any good, you know, superstars like next to him. And I think the team's drafted really poorly. Well, nobody and wants to like, go to Phoenix. Like, that's the thing. It's not an attractive you market. Don't have, you don't. You don't have. You don't have a choice though in the draft. That's what I'm saying. It's like, right. Yeah. You. Phoenix was an attractive place. I mean, oh Phoenix no, I'm saying I'm talking about free agents. Around. Yeah, in in the sense of a free agent market that they haven't been able to no, get anybody there. Yeah, and it should be attractive because I mean, it's just like I know that there isn't it similar to like uh, like it's really cheap to live. So yeah. it's similar to Florida, where I think like it's a really good place to be. Ri- I mean, Barkley still lives there, and so it's like they they should you know they they had Nash and Marion. They had Charles Barkley. Like, they've had good runs as an organization. I don't think they have any excuses. I think they completely dropped the ball in the draft, and it's hinged this franchise 
because they, instead of developing a couple stars over this last five years in D-Book, they keep like having to start over every year with him. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's like you said, like with the with these top three, you're really nitpicking at where you could place any of these guys. And I guess I am just holding Phoenix's situation against Devin Booker a little much, but I don't know. I think like if you trade, like say if you traded Devin Booker to Utah for Donovan Mitchell straight up, like I know for a fact Devin Booker would make a playoff run his first year there. You know what I mean? Because you would finally have like a stable lineup, some defensive help, some offensive, you know, someone to take the load off, someone to stretch the floor. Like you need players for a superstar to really blossom. And the only thing he's been able to blossom in is shot attempts a game. Yeah. And honestly, you can argue, too, that this year he's probably had one of his best lineups, that, in my opinion, because in years prior, it's been really crappy lineups. And this year he at least has um, Rubio and uh, the other – I can't remember the, the forward's name uh, from Washington. Well, they have DeAndre – well, they have um, DeAndre – they have De- Well, Aiden, they have DeAndre too. DeAndre Aiden. Marquise Chris? Because Marquis Chris, no, 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 he, he's no, he, but... he's not there anymore. I can't think. Of, oh, Kelly Oubre, he's there too. Oh, uh, you meant Washington Wizards? Yeah, yeah, the Wizards. Yeah, he's he helped them out this season a little bit because he was like that that wing scorer. But in years prior, man, he's had horrible lineups. Yeah. Okay, and see, so that's the sad part. I think that the fact that you shot out Rubio and Kelly Oubre, yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's got that's got to say that's, something. That's, that's his most help. That's, yeah, and it's like they draft Aiden, he gets suspended. Like, it's, you know, it's just been – I think Aiden was finally the piece, you know. So now they have to – you know, the now the other thing that they've been – they failed at is point guards. They haven't had a, a good point guard forever. And that's always been, you know, just kind of like a defensive liability. You can't put – you know, Rubio's great and all, but you can't have a Rubio with a Devin Booker. There's just too much defensive liability and too much, like, offensive production, you know. Yeah. Honestly, one of their biggest mistakes, though, was uh, Dragon uh, Bender. Oh, yeah. He, I want to go watch him in Summer League. It was horrible. He was sitting on the bench because yeah, he played like the day before, and I went a couple days in a row. And I was like, how does this guy have a job in the NBA? I was bummed because he came yeah. over from Israel. He's Croatian, but he played professionally in Israel. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was high on him. He was kind of a Porzingis type of um, – he's a Porzingis type of prospect. Yeah, no doubt. Like, Man, man, they just have completely, uh, complete, you know, they drafted Marquise, Chris, and Bender, I think, back-to-back years. Um, and and then, oh, and then the Alex other Alex Len uh, was in there too, right? Yep. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Bender. It was, uh, it was Josh Jackson and, and Bender. Oh, he was another Not dud Marquise too, though, Chris. was Josh Jackson. Yeah, so Josh Jackson was a dud. Um, you know, Jogan Bender was basically a dud. So Alex Lynn was a dud, but he was drafted right before Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, I mean, in the first round, they went Alex Lynn, TJ Warren, Devin Booker, Jogan Bender, Josh Jackson, DeAndre Iden. And they drafted uh, Tyler Ullis, too. <laughs> yeah, but that was like a second round. Yeah. That was like a second round draft. Like, but all right, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, so you have Devin Booker at one? He was my uh, no, yeah. no 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 no. I have Bradley Beal as my number one. Sorry. Okay. Jacob has Bradley Beal yeah. at number one. I have Bradley Beal at number one. Tyler has Devin Booker at number one. Let's run through our lists one more time real quick, and then we'll get out of here. So Tyler, give us your one through ten. Then Jacob. Then me. Um, I went uh, D. Book, Bradley Beal, C.J. McCollum, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, 
Then Oladipo, Lou Will, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon to round it up. All right, and I caught Jacob slipping again. He thought I wasn't going to ask, and he crumpled up his piece of paper and he it's, had to it's uncrumple a it. It's a habit already. So next week I'll just type it out, <laughs> and it's on it's on the computer, so I can't throw it away. All right, but at number one I had Beal followed by C.J. McCollum, Victor Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell, Drew Holiday, Lou Williams, Fred Van Fleet, Marcus Smart, and Danny Green. All right, for me, number one, Bradley Beal, number two, Devin Booker, number three, C.J. McCollum, number four, Zach Levine, number five, Donovan Mitchell, number six, Victor Oladipo, number seven, Lou Williams, number eight, Drew Holiday, number nine, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and number 10, Marcus Smart. You guys got any shout-outs before we get out of here? Uh, I do. Uh, okay. I want to give a shout-out to, obviously, Jackie Robinson, it being Jackie Robinson Day. Love it. It sucks because we can't be at a baseball game, you know, today or yeah. tonight. Uh, would normally would have been a fantastic experience for any sports fan, baseball fan in particular, but I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Jackie Robinson. Okay, Tyler, you got one before we get out of here? Yeah, shout-out to XFL, man. Super sad to see that that league's going to have to fold up because of the impacts of the coronavirus. I think if it wasn't for the virus, the league would have been able to, like, get another year in and get some stability, but it looks like the XFL is not going to make it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's highly unfortunate. There's no way they could have predicted a pandemic was going to shut down the league, not even a full year into their first uh, year as they tried to reestablish the XFL. Uh, and then just actually like breaking news that happened while we were recording, Rams center Brian Allen has tested positive for the coronavirus. He te- He tested positive last month, but he's now symptom-free. So there was an NFL player that did test positive. He's the first NFL player to come out and say he has tested positive for the coronavirus. Also earlier today, it was announced that a member of the Los Angeles Chargers organization uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, but it wasn't uh, anybody in the ownership group. It wasn't GM Tom Telesco, and it wasn't head coach Anthony Lynn, just somebody that works for the organization and had been at the team facility and all of that. So two cases in the NFL now. Uh, and then to close it, it's it's not really a shout out, but I wanted to send my thoughts, prayers and condolences to Carl Anthony Towns and his family after his mother passed away earlier this week from COVID-19. I know a lot of us sports fans have been complaining and going crazy without live sports and that's myself included. But what happened to, to Kat's family is just another example of why this pandemic is so much bigger than basketball and sports in general and sports will come back when it's deemed safe. And for the meantime, we should just take this time to appreciate our loved ones more, you know? Yeah. So, all right, with that, that wraps up this episode of the sports kingdom show. Be sure to rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.